To say that Christy DiNapoli is a raconteur, bon vivant, a man in full, would be an understatement. This Ohio native has spent the last 25 or 30 years becoming a big-time artist manager, publisher, and producer, and now he's taken on record promoting as a new challenge. He's never been one to let the moss grow under his feet, so to speak. So wash your hands, put on your mask, and get ready to laugh. Here's my buddy, Christy DiNapoli. Ah. Christy DiNapoli. What the crap, man? <clears throat> How the heck are you? I mean, I haven't seen you for so long, and now we're just hanging out here at Disgraceland. How are you? I'm good. Man. Bart, I, I, I'm thrilled that you actually asked me to come by. Dude. I'm kind of a busy guy. I, I, I know. So to come down here to Huntsville <laughs> to hang out with you takes a minute. I just passed Milfhaven, so I knew where that well, was. <laughs> and then you're on the left, right past there, right? Yes. Yeah. I heard about that place. Put the oh. was it? You put the coconut out on the porch and uh, uh, pineapple. No, pineapple. Yes. Good for them. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. Good for them. I don't know if that's real or not. I guess it is. I just throw that right out at the beginning, boy. Yeah. So so yeah. So anyway, <laughs> there I was. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a lot of the, uh, in all seriousness, there's a lot of great studios in that place. Um, Tim Russell dabbled in the Christian world for a minute, and we okay. went down there, and, and, and he would write with some guys, and <clears throat> there was a producer down there. Oh, he was awesome. And then Walker Hayes lived down there. So we used to hang around down there, and uh, Paul Nelson. Okay. Bunch yeah, of guys, yeah. And then Paul and Gene. Yeah. Yeah. So every house I went to is a recording studio in the back. Dang. So you would be surprised at how many recording studios are in that oh, place. Oh, we have a recording studio right here. I see that. How about this? So you were uh, born in the uh, the Ohio's. Akron, Ohio. Yes. So. <laughs> Woo! Wow. That guy's awesome. That guy's awesome. Hey, so was LeBron. Hang on. Okay. Uh, I don't even want to get into that. Were you uh, in a uh, musical family? And Jeffrey Dahmer, but he would he was <laughs> from the ear eating, yeah, from the part east side. Of, yes. What was the question? Musical family. This is sort my of fa- okay. My dad was a drummer, like back in World War Two. Oh, oddly enough, and there okay. was an old set of drums in the basement. Like an old pearl kit? God, what were those things? I don't even know. Probably like Pearl or Ludwig, wooden. maybe? It was wild. I don't Slingerland. even know. Slingerland. Probably Slingerland. They weren't set up. Okay. I had to dig and dig and put something together. And I would play them with um, coat hangers. I didn't have any drumsticks. So I would play these beat-up drums that had holes in them with coat hangers. Wow. To, like the monkeys and stuff. Okay. In the late 60s. Golly, that's... I'm so... old. No. Late sixties. So, but you seriously were not okay. It's funny because I was talking to Amy about this, my super hot trophy wife, about how this is always my first question: Are you from a musical family? And I said it's it's amazing because all of my friends are music guys. Right? They're songwriters, guitar players, record guys, whatever. Nobody's from a musical family. Really? Yeah. I mean, and it just, I mean, I'm like the only guy I know that, oh, is that? 
Okay, go ahead. Is that <laughs> is that everybody in their family plays an instrument? Nobody else does that. And it's right, it, right. it it it's crazy. And that, the I, opposite of my wife. The whole family. Well, is yeah. Musical. Well, of course, if you want to top to bottom talk about your wife, that would be fantastic. I wish she was here. Yeah, it just that whole thing is the whole yeah. That, that's just different. Oh yeah. They all sing. They all play. Everybody plays something. It's just and there's a lot of them. But I just so that's never, why the kids are all musical. Your kids are. Oh yeah. What do they play? They're both piano players. They've been playing since they were four. Okay. They play guitar. Oh, four? And they do everything else. So they're and kind they, of underachievers? Just, it's yeah. mummy dearest. <laughs> Make sure that they practice their instruments. <laughs> no, so that, going back, that's, yeah. that's, that's musical. But for us, no. My, when, I, when I got my first drum set, my dad taught me a lot of Benny Goodman. Oh man! Uh, yeah, Mitch Miller, all those guys, all Ed that jazz. Jassy. He was all about jazz. Yeah. So I learned to play jazz. The traditional yeah. grip. All that kind of I could never. Okay. Yeah. And he was so proud, and all this kind of stuff. Here's the funny part. The day I remember the day, the day he heard "Kiss Alive" one down there. He never talked to me about drums again. He never showed me anything again. Uh, <laughs> we never talked about music again. Wow. He hated them. He hated Elvis. He thought Elvis was the like the devil. Yeah. Yeah. And the Beatles. I mean, he that was the end of it for well, me. Well, the Beatles, I understand, yeah. One, one, one time he and I were driving in the car, and I don't know, <laughs> uh, Fool on a Hill came on. By the Beatles, okay. And Paul McCartney's singing, and he shuts it off. He goes, I don't want that son of a bitch screaming at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I had to deal with. But he just he just hated so, popular music, you know. How the crap then did you <laughs> as, a, as a as a young Ohioan, how did you get down in Asheville? What brought you? Oh, it was a long trip, Bart. Well, you know what I mean, though. It's like, why did you come here instead of going to L.A. or or going to New York or or man. whatever, man? If only we had we were talking and like on a podcast or somewhere. I could. Oh, we are. Oh, wait, we are. Yes. Um, take an hour. Take it. Take an hour and a half. I'm trying to do the the short version. Here we go. <laughs> somewhere in my high school, in my youth. You know, in and out of rock bands. Yeah. I had a band, uh, like my senior year of high school or whatever. Oh, I'll just I've cut seen- to the chase. I'll just get there where we're already out. We're playing a couple of gigs. You got some big hair. <clears throat> Almost. <laughs> Do you remember Dean Micklebrink? Yeah. Dean Holy was cow. a freshman okay. when I was a senior, and he okay. was my bass player. He actually put the band together, and I was the singer. I stepped out front, and I was the guy. Wait a minute. You were the singer? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. You don't see, you don't see that big picture at Scott's house of me and him and Rick Will? Everybody. It was unbelievable. <laughs> That's another story. But anyway. Would you like to sing something? No, I wouldn't. Oh, okay. <laughs> Long story short, I'm like halfway through my senior year of high school, and I'm like, um, I'm leaving. Okay. I'm moving to L.A., and I'm going to go be a rock star because okay. that's what people do. They leave Akron, yes, and they go to LA and they find it, get in a band. So 
And they ended up being Tommy Lee's drum tech or something. Whatever. Yeah. So I left <laughs> two weeks after graduation. Okay. I was on a plane. I'm sorry. I'm uh, my cousin lived in Irvine. Oh, okay. He owned a tow truck company. I'm like, I need to live out there, man. I got to go hang out at the clubs and stuff in L.A. and everything. He's like, okay, well, you can, you can drive a tow truck. I'm like, how do you drive a tow truck? So he taught me in like a week how to tow cars for AAA. So I'm towing cars in a day. I drive up, and I would go to Gazzari's or the Whiskey or whatever and just hang out, try to meet people. So I met a bunch of people. They scared the hell out of me. Which I can see because you're like... Yeah, so they're doing a bunch of drugs and they're having a great time. fifty pounds, like driving a tow yeah. truck, so you're not... Yeah. Yeah, but I looked like them, but I did not party Oh, that's party true, like yeah. Them. Okay. Skinny, looks like you never ate in your life. Right. Cocaine hair. chic, but it wasn't really... Yeah. There was so much cocaine in L.A. in 1981. <laughs> <laughs> it was like buying beer. You know how you like buy beer? Was everywhere. <laughs> It was snowing in L.A., man. <laughs> and if you watch that movie Below, it's real. That shit went on. It was everywhere. So it scared the hell out of me, Yeah, to be honest. Yeah. And then I met a few people. You know, I started yeah. singing a couple bands, this kind of thing, and it just didn't really, nothing really panned out because I'm too serious. I'm not one of, I'm not Vince. As we can tell. <laughs> I'm not Vince Neil. Well, I don't yeah. have that. No, he lives down there. F- I know. Fifth yeah. gear, and then there you go. Right, yeah. At 18. Yeah, for sure. I was like the guy that took everybody home. Right, 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 right. So I'm like, you know, it's probably, I'd be better off if I handled these people Mm. and worked with these people and kept them out of trouble because, to be honest with you, they were all more talented than I was. Yeah. The drummers, I never picked up a set of sticks again Yeah. after I heard these guys. I mean, these are guys that had no jobs, didn't give a shit, they've been playing... Music all their lives. The singers were unbelievable. It was the exact same time that the crew and everybody were getting together. I've said since I got here that I was not even the best guitar player that moved here on the day that I moved here. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I know exactly what you're saying. It's like, okay, those guys are better than me. Yeah, so it I was unbelievable. It. So I went to, um, I'm like, I'm going to go to college out here Yeah. while I'm doing this. Okay. So I went to Fullerton JC, which was a free college in Orange County, if you live there. Okay. And they had a, a studio. That's, so I took audio engineering, and I took music theory, and I took all this stuff, started going to this junior college, hmm. driving a tow truck in a day, music <laughs> music college, okay. and the beach. Boom, boom, boom. So you were like smart, smart, and smart. Well, whatever. You yeah. know? So I'm like, well, something's going to pan out here. Yeah. Uh, so long story short, Dean... <laughs> He's rolling through high school. He's like, hey, man. You know, he's talking. I got through his nose. And, man, uh, hey, man, I got, um, uh, you know, we ought to, you know, we ought to, like, figure this out where we could, like, get, go to college. And I'm like, well, I'm already going and this kind of thing. So I went to the um, the Disneyland Hotel for an AES convention, okay. Audio Engineering Society. Yeah, yeah. A school project, a studio project. We went, and I picked up all these pamphlets. And I'm like, well, Dean's smarter than I am. I'm just going to send him all this shit. Okay. So I sent him like a big package of all these books at colleges she and all this kind of stuff. stuff. So he's go. So he goes through it. Takes him a couple of days because he was like a straight A student. Yeah. He was a weird servant, piano player. He was smart. He was smart. Yeah. Well, well, we'll get into that later. How smart <laughs> he was. Um, and he calls me. He says, "Okay, here's the deal." I'm like, "What?" 
he goes, uh, <clears throat> well, you know, you don't want to hang out in L.A. that long, so this is what we're going to do. New York, New York University is too cold. Uh, Miami, eh, you don't want to go there because you got a minor in an instrument. He goes, I found this place in Nashville. Oh. I'm like, where? Right. He goes, Nashville, man. I'm like, well, where's that? <laughs> he goes, it's in Tennessee. He goes, we went there once. <laughs> we went there one time to like uh, on vacation to see Elvis. I'm like, your parents what? went to, I said, dude, that's Memphis. He goes, oh, well, it's there somewhere. <laughs> I'm like, well, what are we going to do? He goes, we need to go visit this Belmont University. But I'm like, I don't even know where Tennessee is, dude. Right. I said, do they wear shoes? And the reason I said that was because the Tennessee sausage guy didn't have shoes on. Oh, yeah. And that's all I ever knew. And I didn't know anything about country music, but that's I knew who Johnny Cash was. Well, sure. I knew who Loretta Lynn was. Well. And my mother told me, this is the funny part. When we were living in L.A., my mom was like, hey, because she moved out there with my aunt. It's a long story. She goes, there's a band that everybody's talking about in their country. I'm like, a band that's country? You know, because I was all about Zeppelin. What the hell you say? She goes, they're called Alabama. I'm like, well, what's that? She goes, they're a country band. She said, they're getting a lot of, they're on the news. So I listened to them. I'm like, you know what? These guys, I don't, I don't like country music, but these guys are pretty good. It's not that bad. So, you know, whatever. So that's all I knew about country music. Well, and that's what took us... We went to see Belmont, and that's where all that started. So, how do you go from Belmont to, and I know this is a, a, a hopefully a long answer, how do you go from Belmont to MTM Records with Scott Borchetta and Bruce Schindler and Little Texas, and also you decided to be the most overachiever I've ever met in my life. You're a publisher, producer, manager of Little Texas. Right? Is that all? At that point? I think so. Okay. So how how the crap mm. did you go from me and my mom went to, to Belmont to selling no, my mom didn't go to Belmont. Dean did. No, no. <laughs> you went um, to Belmont with your mom. But I'm just saying. Very simple. Uh, <laughs> so we went to Belmont. Belmont wasn't big then. There was only like 1,700 students. Yeah. <clears throat> it's very small. That's when I was um, going there. You went there too? Oh, That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. You, Darren Murphy, yeah. Rick Will, yeah. Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Sam Ramage. None of us ever graduated that I know of. I really wanted to. Yeah. I, I tried. But oh, like, you blew the end of the story. Uh, this no, podcast I'm... is over. <laughs> um, Click. So, very simple. Uh, I'm going to Belmont. I'm, I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, standing out like a, you Small know, thumb? I got two, three color different hair. I got Dude. like a blonde streak in my hair. I got parachute pants. I got the whole Def Leppard look. I got oh, all this man. shit. I just came from L.A. Yeah. And these people are looking at me like, what the fuck is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> Who the crap is this kid? But here come all the musicians. Yeah. Here's Anthony Martin. Here's Porter. Here's all these guys. Oh, bam, bam, dude. bam, bam, yeah. bam, bam. Okay. I'm friends with all these guys. Rob, Houston. Oh, wow. All of them. Just pick me right out. They're like, okay. boom, you. Who are you? Okay. I'm like, 
Uh, yeah, I seriously have never heard this story. Oh, so no, this we were all in the, we lived in the ghetto together, man. <laughs> we did. We all lived across the street in the ghetto, which is now this beautiful billion-dollar right. building. But right. we had rats and mice. My, Michael Deering, Rob Houston, oh, Anthony Martin, gosh. Porter Howell, me, Rick Will, Mike McCarthy, Jay Toole, uh, Martin Kicklighter. We all lived in the same thing, Holy which was crap. a dump where we just you know sit around right. and hope people didn't steal our stuff. <laughs> um, so the intern program. Okay, I'm like I want to do one of those intern things, and uh, and Dean's like, hey, where you want to intern? You know, I'm down at Polygram. I've been interning there for a while. I'm like, well, I don't want to go there. I don't know. Wait, Polygram Publishing or Record Company? Record label. Okay, uh, with Jerry Kennedy. Okay. And uh, I'm like, well, I want to intern. He goes, where are you on the intern? I'm like, well, how about Warner Brothers? Because Van Halen's there. The- Fleetwood Mac is there. I went through this whole thing. He goes, well, they're not necessarily there. It says Nashville. I'm like, well, close enough. <laughs> <laughs> so he goes, well, hey, he goes, I got a tip. He goes, go see this publicist that's at Warner Brothers. and She needs an intern. I'm like, okay. So I go in, I walk in the front door, and who's answering the phone? Doug Growl. You gotta be. So I'm like, Growl, what are you doing in here? Because I knew him from college. We moved into the house that he moved out of. John House and I. What are you doing here? He goes, hey, I I was an intern here. That's not a good imitation. But now I built the mailroom. He would have been real oh, well, whatever. And real hey, Christy. Hey, Christy. Hey, Christy. Yeah. I love One of the Doug. best guys in the world. Just a wonderful guy. He goes, look, my, my internship's up because I'm going to run the mailroom now. Uh, let me put your name in the hat. And it was Paige Rowden at the time. Oh, before Levy? Yeah, Paige yeah, and okay. Jamit. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. So I go upstairs and the... The different color hair and the parachute pants and everything with Paige, who just came from L.A. And she's like, oh. she's like, who the fuck are you? I'm like, well, Doug sent me up here. She goes, you got the gig. <laughs> I said, well, you don't even know anything about me. She said, I don't care. I don't care. You're the guy. I'm like, yeah, gay. I know your look. <laughs> That's how that started. So I worked at Warner's Dude. for her and Jim Ed. Uh, Jim Ed came back with the Southern Pacific stuff. Oh, and yeah. I met him. And he goes, make copies for everybody. And I erased them. What? I erased him. My first first on week on the job, I pressed record on the, at the wrong time, making cassette to cassette. Oh, dude! So I erased him. I yeah. said, um, "Sorry." So I had to go down to the president of the label's office and tell him, yeah. that I erased it. Sorry. And he just looked at me. He goes, "Wow." He goes, "Welcome to the company. okay." He goes, "Sue Ann, call Eric Prestige and tell him to send another tape so, and keep it away from Christie." <laughs> so how did? How did that whole, you went from there to mm. MTM to... So I was there for about a year. Okay. Then I, um, Paige is like, hey, I can get you hired on to A&R here. Okay. I'm like, great. And this is where Doug and I kind of clashed. Doug said, wait a minute. He got wind of it, said, I've been here longer than him. I want to be an A&R. And I'm next because they put Doug in Gavin promotion. Oh, Okay. Because that was the next set up. And he's like, I always wanted to be an A&R. It's not fair that Christy gets it. Because we knew Gavin was going to be around forever. Oh, of course. <laughs> wow. That's where Jimmy worked. We had to get him on the <laughs> I know. Hey, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that led to that. So they, well, you got to go. I'm like, okay, I'll go. I need a job. 
Mike McCarthy calls me. Uh, hey, Chris, man. Um, Wait, who's that? You don't know Mike? I don't. You know Mike? I don't know, man. Oh, I may. I love Mike. He moved back to town. Oh, really? Mike was awesome. He was like, look, man, I'm, I'm running the studio at, at a new record company, MTM. I think they need somebody in publishing. Okay. I'm like, well, okay. I'll come over and meet with whoever. So he set me up with Meredith Stewart at MTM. Oh, yeah. So I went over. I met with Meredith. Before I got to her office, Rick Will grabs me okay. and says, Chris, what are you doing here? I'm like, what do you mean? He said, you want a mission from God? I'm like, <laughs> sort of. <laughs> he goes, what are you doing? Maybe. He said, I'm going to talk to Meredith about the job. He goes, dude, I'll get you that job. Oh, my God. You need to work here. I'm like, cool, man. So he tells Meredith. Meredith says, okay, Christy, you can work here. I'll take copy guy. Okay. So here's the fun part. So they put me into this little tiny office next to this cubicle with this guy <laughs> with this big hair that looks like I me. I, I think I know who that is. And we look at each other. And I'm like, who the fuck are you? I'm Scott Borchetta. I'm like, hi, Scott Borchetta. Hi, Scott. He goes, who are you? I'm Christy. Well, I'm like, we look alike. We're Italian. Yeah. This is going to be fun. Yeah. But he was dead. This guy was serious, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he was. dead serious. Yeah. About everything. He goes, well, I do promotion. This is what I do. Bubba. I got a band. I got this. I'm like, fuck, okay, dude. What was his band called? band was called Burning Hearts. Uh, Is that right? What was his later band called? What was the first one? I think it was Burning Hearts. Burning Hearts. I know. uh, That comes later. Oh. Hang on. (laughs) It gets better. Okay, sorry. Burning Hearts. I I haven't read the whole script. I'm sorry. So that's how that happened. Okay. Okay. So we hung out there. He, him and me, Jay Joyce, all these guys. Jay was one of our writers. We all had guys... Randy Bruce, Foster was a pain in the ass. Bill Lloyd was there. We had Beth Chapman. We had a, it was just was Bruce Schindler there. Schindler uh, was lady. Scott's boss. Yeah, Howard Stark was the head of it all oh, with a big cigar. Oh, I forgot about him. Christy, I signed uh, Steely Dan. You know that, right? I'm like, I know Howard. Yep. So we, the Howard Stark and MTM also stands for Mary Tyler Moore. Yes. Did you ever meet her? I did not. Oh, you never did? I don't think she even knew she had a record company. <laughs> <laughs> they just like licensed the cat. Right. Uh, some guys that oh, work for the her. Cat. Oh. Alan Bernard talked them in, him and Howard talked them into spending money on a record company. Yada, yada. Golly, man. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the Judy Rodman record comes in. Oh, I forgot. The In Pursuit record comes in. Oh, and there yeah. are records all over the place and nobody knows what to do. And they're great records. Nobody knows what to do. So I just left the mailroom at Warner Brothers with Jack Purcell and Greg Brown and Doug Growl. Oh, my God. So I'm like, well, I know how to run a mailroom. I mean, I know how to mail this shit. And they're like, you do? I'm like, dude, go down to the post office, get number two bags. It's a ball crate. Come in here and put a line together and fill these bags up. So I got the whole company filling these bags up to mail these things out. And Howard Stark with the cigar comes out and he goes, who the fuck is that kid? And somebody goes, well, his name's Christy. He goes, bring him in here. He goes, you fucking know what you're doing, don't you? I'm like, well, yeah. yeah. You know, I wouldn't fall off a turnip truck. He goes, I like you. I'm like, thanks. That was it. I had my own office. All this stuff. Howard loved me. Oh, my god. We had a ball. Oh, my god. We had our own studio. Rick and Mike, Scott, Where me, were you? Where? Jay Joyce, Bill Lloyd, Radney Foster. We had a blast. Where were your offices? Well, we moved down to the old Monument Records building. Which is now, 
I don't know what it is now. It's like Warner Chapel something. Okay. Across the street from Warner Brothers. Okay. We moved in there. That was MTM. Man, I don't even remember. We built that, that studio. It was awesome. So did you have studio time? If you had Hell an idea, yeah, man. you went in there and just... That was the deal. We got to use the studio. We were in there. We lived man. in that building, man. All of us for like two years. It was amazing. Dude... But if I back up a little bit, yes, when I met Scott, please back. I said, hey, man, I'm doing a class project. We're bringing Striper to <gasps> one of my favorite bands, the War Memorial. Oh, yeah. He goes, man. you are. I'm like, yeah, it's a class project because the guy that ran uh, Sound 70 was our teacher okay. at Belmont. So I was in charge of like security or something. Everybody had a job. Of course, because you're massive. It gets huge, you know, <laughs> 250 something millimeters. And then. Kilograms. So Scott says, Do you have an opening act? I'm like, No. He goes, Can my band open for Striper? I'm like, I don't know. I said, Give me give me some information. I don't know. And I'll take it to class tonight. I have class at six o'clock. So he gives me, you know, Scott. I do. Perfect. He's got the the oh, folder, yeah. the pictures, the bio, yeah. the whole thing. It was Matt, him, it was uh Tony. Tony, and then, uh, uh, what's his name's kid? Was a singer. Oh, shoot. Crazy son of a bitch. What was his name? Dude, I don't know if you know this, but when we had Asphalt Jungle. Montgomery. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Montgomery. Kevin Montgomery, yeah. yes. Bob Montgomery's son. Yes. I don't know that you know this, but when we had Asphalt Jungle, we were broke, and he was the only guy that had a girlfriend. Who, Scott? Yeah, Anna. Scott. Yeah, and yeah. He, exactly. So we were all working for record companies, so we didn't have any makeup, but we had Sharpies. <laughs> and we would do our eyeliner with Sharpies because we played Thursday, Friday, Saturday night somewhere. And so by Monday... Sal's. Oh, Sal's was the best. Or uh, Murfreesboro. But by by Monday, we could... Scrub the eyeliner off. Unbelievable! Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, dude, dude! Wow! Yeah, me, so, me, Scott, Matt, and Tony. What a great band! I dude, saw you guys at South. So much fun, man! That's where I met you. I think, stupid, wasn't it? Uh, probably, yeah. So I took it to class. So yeah, and they said it's a local band. I'm like, yeah. They any good? I'm like, oh hell yeah, man, great. <laughs> he goes, okay, they got the gig. So they opened for Striper at War Memorial, dude. Was it great? It was fine. It was great. Kevin was great. I mean, he was very charismatic. Yeah. Yeah, Kevin for sure. Montgomery, man. I mean, he was awesome. Um, well, but he, he was it. off his rocker, and he bailed, like, right after that, yeah. of course. Um, he always wanted to be Neil Young. I Neil used to Young? ride with him. Yeah, dude. That's 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 he kind of wanted to be that kind of guy. Okay, whatever. Yeah, that's what so, said. you know, that's, that, that, I wanted to go back to that story because that's, you know, Scott and I have a lot of that history, <sighs> which is hilarious. Yeah. The picture I was talking about is a picture with he and Rick and Mike and I opened for the Almost Brothers or whatever their names were. <laughs> Some guys at the at the Music Row Showcase. Remember that club? Yes. That is now Warner Records. Because <laughs> they knocked it down. It's right. The Almost Brothers. <laughs> or whatever they're called. Like the Voltage Brothers. That's it. Was that it? A 12-piece black uh, funk band. 12-piece? 12 Guys, yeah, that'll be easy to pay for. Funk band yeah. we had on MTM called the Voltage Brothers. <laughs> so we opened up for them for fun with a drum machine 
three guitar players and me. And that picture is in Scott's um, kitchen today. That's so good. It's hysterical, man. man. So that's how that all got started with MTM. So how the crap did you get from that? And like I was saying earlier, producing, publishing, managing Little Texas. I mean, I... Freaking huge band! Oh, like, I, got I don't. It. I don't know what they did. Twenty million records, ten million, five million, eleven and a half whatever. million, eleven and a half. That's got, what I've been told. You've got the you've that's, got the paperwork yeah. in your glove box. That's what right I've not now. been paid on. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I mean, that uh, a huge band, and you you did everything. Well, it was a kind of a brainchild that I had with you and Porter going. Yeah, back because to that? I was at MTM. Okay. I knew who Alabama was. I told you that, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought that up. Exactly. Where are you going, Tartop? Some guy, some tape guy that was working for me, because I was I went up to Song Plugger, where I would okay. pitch songs to people to get songs cut. Um, and he was our tape guy, and he said, hey, man, have you heard this new band? I'm like, who? He's a Restless Heart. I'm like, okay, let me check oh, it out. Okay. So I'm listening to it, and I'm like, man, that's really, that's not very country. It's kind of pop. Yeah. You know, kind of cool. So I looked at them, and nothing against the guys. You know, Larry, I love Larry, like a brother. Dude. It's a but they all band. they had beards, yeah, and they were boring. Yeah, I'm like they've yeah. got beards and they're boring. I'm like, when is country ever going to get to the point where, you know, they've got a band that doesn't look old? Yeah, yeah. And for those sure. guys weren't old. They just they were trying to look the part because they knew they had to because there was no right. such thing as a well know, a pop band. And I'll also take their side on when I was working at RCA. Mm-hmm. That was that was who you were. We were at RCA. We were at an older-looking label. Correct. And, you know, we had Ronnie Millsap, uh, Millsap and Lori Morgan and stuff. And Lori was hot, but still, everybody knew we weren't signing 16-year-olds. Right. Well, so, nobody was, were they? No, no, nobody was. All right, so what, that, that was where I kind of got the idea. I'm like, man, wouldn't it be great to have a band yeah. that looked cool? Yeah. I said, that could be done. So, you know, Porter being an old friend, I'm like, Porter, we ought to, we ought to build a band. I mean, just as simple as that. I, yeah. mean, I, hate, I know this, I hate to sound simple, but he's like, well, what do you mean? I was like, a band that like, doesn't look like old guys. They're doesn't young. look like Alabama. It looks like poison. Yeah, exactly. He goes, well, that's exactly. crazy. I'm like, well, think about it. So we started talking about it. <laughs> and he said, hey, man, uh, you're in my wedding. I'm like, I didn't know you were getting married. <laughs> <laughs> Do I know the he girl? He goes, yeah, I fell in love with this girl somewhere. We went on some USO tour. I'm like, okay. Sweet. was Angela. They were, she was beautiful, okay. and they were wonderful. It was all yeah. great. Um, so I met, and he was, he was playing at Opryland at the time with her. Okay, right. Rushlo was playing at Opryland. Right. O'Brien was playing. All these people were playing at Opryland yeah. together. So I met all these people at his wedding, and Tim... Rushlow and Dwayne O'Brien and Russell Terrell sang I'll Still Be Loving You at Porter's Wedding. What? Russell and Porter went to high school together. Oh, I didn't know Longview, Texas. I freaking love Russell. So they started singing that, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I got an idea. Wait a minute. Who wrote that? Who wrote it? Yeah. I'll Uh, Still Be Loving You. Pat Bunch. Oh, wait. That's a Restless Heart song. Uh, Yeah. Okay. okay. Sorry. You're right. You're right. You're right. Uh, And uh, who are the other two? Anyway. And the two girls. 
Marianne Kennedy and the other one. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, so they were saying, I'm anyway, like, yeah. wait, wait a minute, man. Harmonies, that could work. Yes. I said, Porter, what about these guys? He goes, oh, I don't know. Mason Russell is crazy. I'm like, yeah, but he's good. He goes, well, let's go, go see him at the wait, Holiday Inn. he said Inn. Russell's crazy? No, no, Russell. Oh. No, Russell's not crazy. Russell's no. crazy. Yeah. <laughs> In a great way. So we went to, he said, you got to come down Absolutely. to the Holiday Inn. We're doing some 50s music, man, so we can eat. Because Opryland's closed for the winter. So we, I go down there, and Rushlow comes out, and he does this soul medley. He's a great friend. I know you want to leave me. Bye-bye. He was doing all this stuff. I'm like... Dude, that's our singer. He goes. He's a great front man. He goes. I don't know, man. He goes. I'm telling you, that's our singer. Yeah. So I'm like, how old are you at this point? Twenty five. Four. Okay. I'm like, well, I said with him with Russell Terrell. Could you imagine? Oh man. Let's do this. So when I talked to Russell about it, Russell would have to find a little bit of pitch if he's going to sing with Russell Terrell. Well, whatever. <laughs> well, I talked to Russell. Was like, ain't no way. I'm not going to be in no band. Yeah, I'm like, come on, because Russell yeah. is a monster, Dude. great drummer, great singer, great everything. He's just, but he's so also amazing, super fired up Christian guy, loving great his guy. family. He wants to be home. Yeah, he wants to be home. Wants to be singing BGVs, and he's holy crap. He's so awesome. my idea for the band was Porter, Tim okay. Rushlow, mm-hmm. Russell, Anthony Martin, and we'll find a drummer somewhere because well, Anthony was our buddy. What was Anthony going to do? Keyboards. Oh, okay. High vocals. Oh, yeah, I mean, Anthony's yeah, 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 amazing. Okay. Anthony's like, there ain't no way I'm going to be in a fucking band with these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I begged him. He's like, no. So all I had was basically Tim and Porter. Okay. So I went to Doug Growl at Warner's, who's now in A&R, and I said, I got an idea. He goes, what? I got a band. Hey, buddy. I'm putting a band together, man. Well, do it with me. Let's have some fun. He goes, oh, okay, Christy, uh, what do you got? I'm like, well, here's what I got. So I took Doug out to see him, and he hears O'Brien singing with Tim. He says, well, you ought to just put that guy in there instead of Russell, if Russell's not going to do it. Mm. I'm like, I don't know. He was great, yeah. I'm like, okay. So O'Brien's in. So now I got the nucleus. I got Tim, Porter, O'Brien, and Propes. He was the bass player. I freaking love that guy. Because Probst went to high school with Russell and Porter. Oh, I didn't know that. They all came from Longview, Texas. With Mark Bright. What? Mark Bright was with them. All those knuckleheads. How do I not know any of this? This Well, that's why you invited me over to tell you what's going on. That's why you're here and you got your your four roses (laughs) and the whatnot. There we are. Beautiful. That happens. So Doug's like, all right, let's let's figure it out. Let's, let's, I'll do this with you. I'm like, okay. So we need a, uh, a drummer. Mm-hmm. We don't have a drummer. The guys go out and they're playing that fifties music with Tim's wife and Porter's wife, and they're out there playing fifties music. And no drummer. And and you know they've got a drummer, Bill. I forget Bill's name. He ended up with Tim McGraw. Oh, okay. Uh, but he was a nut. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Bill, if you're listening. But you were kind of nutty in a good way. I keep saying that. Politically correct. You're one of my favorite nuts. But he got the Tim McGraw. I mean, he, he went hey, on to do great things. He and, went, and, and yeah, he, I don't know who the bass player was. Tim played, Tim played bass, I think. Yeah, I think Honestly. he did. Yeah, um, I think he did. Porter comes to me one day and he says, hey, man. He goes, we just played a fair in, like, Boston. And these two guys. Did he say it like that? Boston. Boston. I always say Boston. <laughs> Not him. He's from Longview. 
He said, you got to meet these guys. He said, it's unbelievable. They're playing with Josh somebody who's on curb. Okay. This old guy. And they're only like 18 years old. He said, but it's exactly what you're looking for. I'm like, are you kidding me? So it's Dell. So he brings them to town. In walks Brady Seals and Dell Gray. Oh, and there's nothing but, there's not enough room in that office of mine for, for that their much hair. hair. <laughs> and they sit down and it's hair and it's fringe and it's this and it's that. And Brady goes, man, man. Man, man, we, we need that gig, man. Man, we, you know what, man? Dell and I have been playing together since we were kids. We, we can play with these guys, man. I'm like, well, okay. I said, you sure look the part. I said, are you any good? Man, man, we're playing at the Hall of Fame motel tonight or hotel, whatever it is, on Division Street. Yeah. Come and see us. I'm Can't like, remember what it is. Okay. So I go see him, and it's that Josh guy on Curb Records. I forget what his last name was. He was had a it, single out. Was it him and his son? Was it Josh and his son? I was that what his last name was? I don't remember. Oh, man. Uh, dude, but he had a song. It's like, hell yes, I cheated, and I'll do it again. again. <laughs> I'm like, that's his song? That's, no, that's, he just covers it. But So these two guys are That's wonderful. There. They don't do anything. Dell's okay. Brady's okay. I'm like, well, they didn't get to do anything. How do I know if they're any good or not? And Porter's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, yeah, they look good. They're in. Yeah. They look great. A lot of hair. And they were great guys. Yeah. They, yeah. They were just, Absolutely, But they didn't really man. get to do anything they're playing country music way back there. Yeah. And I didn't even, you know, there's this big burly guy out in front. Right. <laughs> so I put them in the 50s band to go out and play 50s music so they could eat but practice their country music in yeah, the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said, Porter, you're in charge. I'm not going out there. <laughs> you're going to have to do it. I got a I'll job. go out there later. Yeah. <laughs> when the so girls Porter's show like, up. hey, man, this is really working, man. And during the day, we get together, the six of us, and we rock out. And we do, like, eagle stuff, and we do all this stuff. Hmm. It's starting to be really cool. So Doug got excited about it. Everybody got excited about it. And then we went. I had to go find songs. Yeah. So I did go to Mark Bright. I went to Dale Bobo. I went to Sam oh, Ramage. Man. I went to all these guys. I said, guys, I, I need songs. Yeah. And they gave me some great stuff. We had like five songs, and Doug gave us some money to go in and cut. That's how that got started. Gosh. And we went in, and and I'm like, you know, these songs are okay. And Doug's like, all right, well, Jim Ed's going to give, you know, he'll come and see them, but yeah. I mean, I can't guarantee you anything. And Jim Ed hated them. He's like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Did he really? He came out to a club that's now in, was in Hundred Oaks. Was a dance club. It's oh. now where the theater is. One of my favorite stories, though, you said was after you guys had sold ten million records, you had a dat of mixes from you and Doug, and you walked past Jim Ed in the lobby of Warner Brothers and said, "Got your new mixes," and he held it up to his ear and he goes. Sounds great. Yep. Hand it right back to you. And it's like, <laughs> out the window, man. Out the door. It's like, oh That's my trippy. gosh. It was just like, you guys were so automatic at that point. You it know was what I mean? so weird, man. It just, well, that didn't really work out because Jim Ed's like, look, they're just jumping all over the place. He said, these guys are too radical. I can't. The well, Southern Pacific thing didn't work. There's really, we can't sign them. But you guys also, I see that. I see that. But but you guys also had that weirdness of having more than one lead singer. 
Well, Which that never that works. I mean, threw we, him too. We yeah. had too many leads. We've seen that in too many country but bands. But we thought it was a shoe in. This is oh, the yeah. guy that did the strings for the Eagles. This was the guy that was in Shiloh with Don Henley. I was like, if anybody's going to get this, it's going to be Jim Ed. It's going to be Jim Ed. Yeah. So Jim Ed turned him down. Golly, that still just. So I go to Tim Dubois. He's starting a new label. He's starting Arista. I'm like Tim. Hey, what's it called? Arista. Yeah, I've heard of it. So he's like, I'm starting Arista. Starting air stuff, we're going to be over this building over Christy, here. Christy, man. Christy, man. I don't know, man, a band. I don't, I don't know, like, man. Would you just listen to it? So he sits there and listens to it. I like it. I like it. It's pretty good and everything. But, you know, we're going to sign the Tennessee River Boys. We already got a band. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, you're going to sign the Tennessee River Boys? Yeah, we're going to change our name to Diamond Rio. I'm like, okay, whatever. So they had a band already. I never knew that. So I went to Bowen. And Bowen... Didn't like Tim's voice. He's like, I don't like the singer. Okay. He's not country enough. So Bowen turned us down. Mm -hmm. Everybody turned us down. So that was the, this is where it gets, you know, full circle. I go walking down the alley. I don't have a deal for the band. I just lost my job. You have a lot of hair. The publisher quit, who I was working for. Okay. I'm walking down the alley. Who do I see? Scott Borchetta. <laughs> He's outside of Curb, the Curb building where his dad, the Borchetta Curb building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doing independent promotion. He's like, hey, dude, what are you doing? I'm like, man, I got this band. They didn't get, they got turned down at Warner's. We lost our deal. There's, you know, I don't know what to do. I said, we're probably going to just go out on the road and play some dates. He goes, in typical Scott fashion, you got a credit card? I'm like, Yeah. He goes, take the credit card and go out on the road and get it fucking done. You know, Scott. Yeah. There's no nothing in front of this guy. No. Ever. Ever. And I didn't think like that. Still isn't. I'm like defeated. Yeah. He goes, go. He goes, call me if you need any help. I'm like, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so we got a van and a trailer. And I lie. I called all these clubs in like Texas. I called, uh, what was his name? The guy that sang What Matters Most. Oh. Ty Herndon. Yeah. I called Ty. I said, dude, you play those clubs in Texas. I said, what do I need to do? He said, here's what you do, Christy. Call Borrowed Money in Dallas. Okay. Call this club in, in Tulsa. Yeah. Call this club in Tulsa. Play a lot of George Strait. Play a lot of Clint Black. I'm mm. like, thanks, man. That was really nice of him. Yeah. And we did. We learned because a bunch you were, of those songs. Yeah. We got in a van and trailer. That's taking money out of his pocket. I lied to but, everybody. I said, we're on Warner Brothers Records. We're going to be the next biggest band in the world, and we want to play for $2,000. And I got gigs sight unseen. Dude, you went out as not only the manager or whatever you house, were called at the time. House sound guy. But you tour were the manager, tour manager. I mean, booked the hotels. How many dates did you guys do? We did a lot. But I mean, I two mean, what, years worth. What would you say? 200 a year? Oh, yeah. We did Miss Kitties in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. Opened it for Travis Tritt. We did all this stuff. Oh, dude, but during a, the day... That was a blast. During the day, I would have him work on the, yeah. know, the band stuff. And Porter so started writing. Could you get them to any radio stations at that time? Or was that even... That was just so far out of your wheelhouse. That's where Borchetta came in. Like, okay. Scott, help me out. So Scott helped us go to a couple radio stations. Yeah. Stuff like that was happening. And then um, Porter said, Dwayne and I wrote a song. I'm like, you wrote a song. I said, what does it sound like? Yippee no, he can't write. <laughs> yeah, right. And I've heard you play. I know you can't write. And 
Dwayne taught it to Brady because he needed somebody to play it on piano. Okay. So they came into my room. We were playing the Grizzly Rose in Denver. In Denver. Denver. And they came into my room and he put his DX7 up on that, you know, that oh. window unit? Yep. <laughs> Air, Air conditioner. conditioner. Yeah. And it was some guys have all the love. And they sang it to me. I'm like, you know, that's not bad. I said, that's pretty good. Let's go work that up at Soundcheck tomorrow. So you you had at least half a mind of, of being able to separate yourself going, okay, I'm managing this band. I'm on the road with this band, but that also is a really good song. Well, yeah, I'm a publisher. Yeah. Exa- all yeah. I do is critique songs all day long. So, But but you could separate the two, which sure. not everybody could do. But I do. knew what our goal was. Yeah. But I didn't know they could write. Right. I didn't know Porter could write a song because he never, you know, I knew him for five years. He could write a song. Turns out he's pretty good. So we get in there. No, we get in the van and trailer. We end up at the Crystal <laughs> Chandelier in Dallas. That's how much how we travel. Oh, dude, I forgot about that. And we place. go to sound check. And I'm yeah. like, let's work this song up. Song in four four times. Some guys have all, all the money. I'm like, guys, 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 guys. Listen, <laughs> this is not working. I said, Dell, give me a syncopated beat, something like Phil Collins. Yeah. Like, so he goes, hang on, let me work on it. So, that Phil Collins thing, I said, now the keyboards come in. where we're going. Here we go. Here in Porter's like, holy shit. I'm like, there's your groove. We finish it, and we nail it, and we do it that night, and people are dancing, Two-stepping, going crazy, stuff like that. I called Doug. I said, Doug, I got something. <laughs> he goes, what? I said, we got a song that they wrote. Yeah, right. I sent it to him. He said, holy shit, Christy. Holy shit, Christy. This thing's great. <laughs> so we come back in. Doug talks. Doug says, I've, I can spend money if I want to. So here's, okay. another, here's another $5,000 to go in and cut one more time. So before we go in and cut that song and a couple others that they wrote that weren't very good, I go to Miss Kitty's. I'm like, guys, we got to cut on Monday, so let's get this weekend over with. Porter says, hey, would you listen to something? We already worked it up. I'm like, good. I sat out by the soundboard. And from top to bottom, he played first time for everything. Oh, man. He said, we wrote this last night. I'm like, you fucking wrote that song? He goes, yep. (laughs) I'm like, holy moly. Okay, now we So that's on there. So here we go with our five thousand dollars. We cut some guys have the log first time, first time for everything. So we got five thousand bucks, which means we got four thousand bucks for weed, five hundred dollars for we call that guitar tech for guitar strings. So we can turn it. In. So, oh man, that's so. There's that. So we go in and we cut. And and Richard Perna tells me, see Richard and I, he signed Little Texas with me on a publishing right from Hamstein. From Hamstein. Yeah. Because I needed administration. So Richard's like, I'll do it with you. That's Dean work there. Yeah, okay. Dean work there. Yeah, we'll <laughs> sign him over here. Yeah. So we sign him. Here's the Dean again. All of a sudden, I'm with him. <laughs> so back. we sign him to a publishing deal. Right. Richard's like, man, you ought to, to seal the deal, you ought to put a bigger producer in there with you just to have the name. I'm hmm. like, who? I said, Hendrix turned me down. I said, all these guys turn me down. Are you serious? I got to produce they all, this. No, they all turn me down. I guys? had to do it. Okay. Um, he goes, talk to James Stroud. Okay. Because he's working with Clint Black, man. He'll, he wants to meet you. So I talked to James. I'm like, James, what do I do? And he was so awesome. He was like, listen, man. Yeah. He goes, I've been in your shoes. He goes, let me help you get this where it needs to be. Okay. He said, now split it with you. 
That's he really said, freaking 50, cool. 50. I'm okay. like, well, Doug's got to cool. do it with us. He goes, 33, 33, 33. Right. I'm like, you would do that? He goes, hell yeah. I love you guys. You're fun. Dude. I'm like, let's do it. How great is that? Here comes Lynn Peterzell. Oh, man. And we cut those songs. James was awesome. And we had a ball. And the sound was... was Right. I don't and know what to say. And we got turned down again. Wait. <laughs> we got turned down again. By Jim Ed? By Jim Ed because, well, this was right before James, I guess. Okay. Where we had just the demos that were for 5,000. It's like, ah, it's not there yet. That's where that came from. Sorry, okay. I missed the beat. But in the middle of that, we were in Dallas, and I got a phone call from Alan Bernard's son. Now, let's go back to MTM. I don't know who Stay Alan Bernard me. is. He started MTM with Howard Stark. Okay. He managed Captain Antonio. He managed Andy Williams. He managed Donnie Marie. Do you know the captain's real name? Uh, no. Daryl Dragon. Daryl Dragon. Anyway, as you are. That, dude. <laughs> I'm trying not to complicate the listener. So his friend is Sam Riddle, who produces Star Search. Holy crap, okay. And Alan says to, to his son, hey, does Christy still have that band he's traveling around the United States with? They need a band. And Garrett calls me and says, Christy, they need a band on Star Search. I'm like, really? We were in Dallas. I'm like, hey, guys, you want to do Star Search? <laughs> we're here. So I said, yeah. They flew the producers into Dallas. They filmed us. They said, you guys are on Star Search. We're like, cool. We got in the van and trailer. But we had to have a couple of songs recorded before yeah. we got there. Because oh, okay. you can only play the tracks. Right. So Eddie Reeves oh, from man. Warner Brothers. I asked Doug, Doug, what do I do, man? We got to find a recording studio between Dallas and L.A. Right. Because I can't get to L.A. and pay for those studios. Yeah. He goes, hang on. Eddie Reeves, he calls Eddie Reeves and he goes, I got it. Norman Petty Studio, who produced Buddy Holly. In Clovis, New Mexico. Oh my gosh. He goes, have him stop in Clovis. But he goes, Norman's dead, but there's a guy there that can help him. So we pull up in that fucking van and trailer, and it's all of us. Have him stop in Clovis. Seven long haired guys. Duh. And there's the studio where Buddy Holly cut all those hits. Holy crap. And we're looking around. I saw a, a 45 on the wall that said Jimmy Bowen. He was an artist. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was an artist. He cut there. All the Texas artists, Waylon, everybody, cut with Norman Penn. So we cut all our tracks there, went to L.A., and we won. You did all vocals and everything there. We had. We were playing six nights a week at the Tropicana in Las Vegas. Oh, man. From 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. We'd get up at 6 a.m., go to L.A., shoot Star Search, go back for our 10 o'clock set in Vegas five nights in a row. How long did it do to take to do the hair? A long time. There were seven of us in one room. Dude. And I got up first so I could get the shower. Man, see, this is the, these are the kind of stories that <laughs> you, just, you just hear and you go, this is, this is why these guys this got, this is why these guys got to where they got. It's the 10,000 hours. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Japanese thing. It's the forty thousand hours, and that—that's why you got. That's why you got to where you got. So we won, and we won, and we won. We went all the way to the finals, and we lost to a Canadian salsa band. Do you remember that? Was it like 
bare naked ladies or something? No, it was like mariachi and all this kind of stuff. So long story short, Jim Ed, Shenandoah has a hit. Right? Yeah. They had a lot of hits. Jim Ed perks up a little bit about the band thing. Because he said bands aren't going to work anymore. Okay. Only Alabama's going to work. It's all over. Okay. The end is coming. We're all going to die. I don't know what Jim Ed was doing. (laughs) Why everybody's going to (laughs) die. And then... We're all going to die. And then the headhunters hit. Oh, dude. So Jim Ed goes to Doug and says, what about that band that you and Christy have? It's probably time. Okay. That did it. If it wasn't for the Kentucky Headhunters in Shenandoah, we would have never gotten a shot because on that label. That's freaking crazy. So we came back in. We got James. That's where we brought James in. Okay. okay. Then we took Some Guys Have All the Love. First time for everything. And then we cut those. Man. And then we got the record deal. And they said, we're going to go with Some Guys Have All the Love. Let's go shoot a video. That's how that happened. See, that was one of the other things about Little Texas is everybody looked so good. Oh, they look great. It wasn't, Everybody had a look. It wasn't, and no offense, because I freaking live and die for the Kentucky Headhunters, but they were not good-looking guys. Uh-uh. You know, Richard was the best-looking cool guy. Looking. Oh, absolutely, man. Well, here's what Nothing I Nothing but slinging Marshalls and, and Les Pauls and tons of hair and cigars. It's well, here's like, what I did. I had secret weapons all over the place we had, because we were a club band. Yeah. Remember, we were a club band and a fair band. So we had to entertain. And they, they did a 50s show where they changed costumes all the time. So they knew how to do it. Okay. So I had, Tim was that lead singer. Oh, dude. He's... Dwayne O'Brien was the tank top with the muscles. Okay. Brady would tear his shirt off oh, and surf on the keyboard. Dell wore shorts and boots. Everybody had a costume. Yeah. Propes was the 80s rock guy. Yeah. Everybody had a costume. Yep. And that's what made it so special. Interesting. Somebody had everybody to to glom on to. Like I can yes. I can I can identify with the singer. I can identify with the bass player. You know, I, I can... got that from growing up. These girls love yeah, Ringo for sure. No, I'm a George guy. No, yeah. I'm a Paul McCartney guy. No, I'm. They all had a favorite. Dude, I th- I've, I thought every band in the world has had that. That sort of thing, which is why when you watch bands blow up, and like we're talking about Restless Heart, Larry goes out, has two number ones in a row, I worked them, Yeah, nobody gave a crap, because same thing with Alabama. The magic is gone. Randy goes out and has two or three number ones in a row, nobody gives a crap, because we're the band people. That we was like the, magic. the band. That's the magic. You broke the magic. Yeah, you broke the magic. Don't break the magic. It's like we I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine seriously looking around at all these dumb guitars. If Eddie Van Halen put a guitar record out, solo record out, he'd probably do half a million records. Because guys like you and me would go, sure. oh, I want to hear it. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to buy that. But it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be pow, you know. <laughs> Good. That's so yeah. funny. Yeah, the so, rest is kind of history. The, uh, you know, we hang our hats on uh, some of the things that we did that have never been done before, that have never been done again. Was three hits in Billboard's top fifty by the same band. Okay, three different lead singers at one time. Wow, that's interesting. When I think, it wait was, a minute, who are they? Tim. Well, God Bless Texas was coming down. Okay. 
and it was still top 20. My, my love was number one with Brady. Brady. Peaceful, easy feeling with Dwayne from Eagles Common Thread was 42. That's right here. So those three songs were on the chart at the same time by three different lead singers yeah, in country man. music that's never happened before or again. So how did you guys I mean that uh, the uh, Common Thread was a giant record, right? Yeah. So how did you get involved in that? And you were producer on that and everything. I mean, James Stroud called me. Okay, Chrissy. Because he, yeah, was, he James was, Stroud. I'm he like, was running giant at yeah. that point, right? We're doing Eagles Common Thread record. <laughs> uh, I'm on vacation this month. Will you go in there and cut that? Uh, cut, uh, go cut. Uh, already gone. I'm like, okay. Just just cut the song? Yeah, go cut it. I'm like, all right, okay. So I'm like, hey, guys, they were supposed to have the summer off. So I pulled them back from vacation. I'm like, guys, we got to go in and cut a song of the Eagles for this big record. And Brady said, F you. He goes, I'm not coming back from Cincinnati. Fuck you. We got the whole summer off. Right. I'm like, dude, this is a, he goes, he hung up on me. It's going to be pretty Probe big. Probe said the same thing. I'm not coming back from Texas. So I called Porter. I said, Porter, we got to cut this fucking song. <laughs> I said, will you talk O'Brien and Rush Lowe into at least coming in here? So they were like, oh, we'll do it. You know, we're in town. We don't care. So I cut that. I had to go find a bass player from some band on Magnetone. <laughs> and I don't remember who played drums, but we oh got it done. Porter played all the guitar parts. Yeah. Tim sang it. And I'm like, man, there's just something wrong. You know, no, it was already gone. We cut already gone. Okay. For some, you know, and then um, when we were finished, somebody comes in the studio. I think it was Chuck Ailey, Ainley, and he goes, "Hey, man, somebody else already cut it." Chuck, oh, hey, man, um, <laughs> you know, uh, Tanya Tucker just cut this song down the hall, man. Yeah. I'm like, what? Tanya Tucker just cut this song. I'm like. So I call Stroud. I'm like, James, what the fuck, man? I said, Tanya just cut this song. We just cut it. <laughs> which you goes, told us to cut. Yeah, which you told us to cut. He goes, oh, sorry about that. He sorry, goes, man. pick another one. I'm like, which one? <laughs> so he gave me like three titles. Peaceful, Easy Feeling was one of them. I said, well, we'll cut that. That oh looks gosh. pretty easy. So we go back down to, what's that place in East Nashville, man? That place you're scared to death before East Nashville was cool. Uh Woodlands. Woodlands, yeah. So we go down there. Blake's, to, Blake's place. That's what Blake has now? No, 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 no. Blake's, that's in Berry Hill. Then. I'm talking about East Nashville. Oh, yeah. That thing. But that was. Where Kansas used to cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I forgot who the engineer was. It wasn't Peter Zells. They gave me another guy who was amazing. And I'm like, so we go in there and we cut that with three guys and a bunch of guys I found. Oh, my gosh. So we cut Peaceful, Easy Feeling. And um, Tim sings it. Because he's saying the shit out of our oh, yeah. gone. But peacefully, these feelings was, was kind of weird. Yeah. I'm like, Tim, I don't know if this is you, man. He goes, oh, what do you want me to do? I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, oh, Brian, why don't you sing it? Sure, I'll sing it. Dwayne sang it. Man, I would, yeah. So that's where that vocal comes from. Okay. Because Tim didn't sound right. He's too raspy. Tim sounds like Don Henley. Yeah. Where Dwayne yeah. sounds like Glenn, Glenn Fry. So, yeah. boom, there it is. So he ended up doing all the parts because Propes wasn't there, the high parts and stuff. Right. I think Propes came in at the last minute all pissed off. Okay. okay, I'll sing it. All pissed off. It sold three million records. CMA, album of the year. Dude. 
It was unbelievable. It, was, it blew up, and Brady quits. Is that right? He quit after that. We were uh, when that happened. I mean, I know it's right. We were getting You're ready. Saying it, but uh, my love went number one for two. My weeks. love, my love, my love, my love, my, my love. love, my love. Video of the year, CMT video of the year with Brady on the beach <laughs> with the girl. Didn't Sam Ramage give you a it. bunch of crap about that? You yeah. guys were headed to Florida. He goes, "What's this crap?" My love, this is my the love, worst book it's on I've ever heard. Well, this is the piece of shit. I'm sitting in the back seat, and Bob writes like, uh, "Sam, Christy just produced that." <laughs> Sam pulls over, throws his sunglasses off. Dude, I'm so sorry. Dude, I'm so sorry. I'm like, for what? For all the bad things I just said. I said, yeah. you always say bad things to me. <laughs> And guess what? The checks are still going to clear. That's where I got the colonel right. from. What? Ron Stuvie was sitting next to me. He goes, Colonel, Christy, let me get this straight. You, you produce the band, manage the band, you, 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 you publish the band, you wrote one of the songs. You're like, you're, you're the colonel. That's where the colonel came from. I didn't know that. <laughs> so long story short. Oh, my gosh. I think that's the whole story. Everything after then doesn't really matter. Man, there is some some interesting stuff like copyright.net. Oh, good Lord. That's going to have to be on volume two. Well. it's a, There's a lot that goes through that. There's a lot that goes through liquid spins. There's a lot that goes through writer's list. There's a lot that goes. I mean, all those companies that I had, all those. Dude. Real estate ventures, all those things. There's just so many things. All right, we'll do a we'll do a part two. Here's what I here's other stuff. We'll do a part two. (laughs) Um, Amy was laughing. My treasure wife. She pointed out that you and I have the same careers, but they're exactly opposite. That you went from publishing into record promotion. I went from record promotion into writing right. and publishing. So how did you how did you and I know we've already we've already spoken about our our deep serious our serious love for Scott Borchetta. Oh. But how did you get from doing what all you did into now working at Valerie doing record promotion? I mean, what the crap? How did that happen and, and why did you do that? Well I tell you how that happened. It um I kind of semi-retired. Yeah. Right? Just, you know, when you kind of semi-retire, what you do is you try to get your handicap down. <laughs> golf, 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 golf. Yes, yes. So I became, I got on the board at Richland Country Club. Okay. Then I became the president of Richland Country Club. Oh, I didn't So I know ran that. the okay. whole country club. Okay. Because golf is my passion. And then they basically didn't have people that would run the place. Right. So I ran the place because I'm a control freak. And that was fun. It's ten million dollar a year organization. It was a blast. And that's just your salary. <laughs> Come on, oh, I did it for free. So it was all about golf. And then um, I had a few companies, you know, invested in liquid spins and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And then I met the um, Rick Kua brought in a hedge fund guy. I know from, Rick. Um, he's the chairman of Top Golf. Yes. He said, "Hey, we're going to open a Top Golf in Nashville." That was Rick's brother. No, he's okay. a friend of his. Okay, Eric Anderson. Eric's he's right next to Amazon in Seattle. Okay. This guy because Rick goes to our. We go to the same church. Okay, yeah. yeah. His brother is in the Christian business. Yeah, 
No, that's Rick. The bass player. That's Rick. Nick is the guy that. That's who you're talking with. about. Yeah. yeah. So we started that. I mean, they 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 sat down with me and they said, "What, what do you want to do?" I'm like, "Well, if you're going to get into the publishing business, we need to buy catalogs. Let's buy catalogs. Let's put about ten million dollars in. Let's go. You know, just like Roundhill was doing. Yeah. And um, let's make it big. And Eric was like, "Nah, let's let's work with new talent." I'm like, "You don't want to work with new talent. Everybody says that, and then they bail." He goes, "No, no, man." I've got all the money in the world. I said, it's not going to be a problem. I'm like, great. I've heard that before. And he had this great idea. He said, why don't we have a website that kind of has the, you know, the interface of Spotify with songwriters all over the world. Okay. Discover new songwriters. You know, these types of things. I'm like, man, that's an awesome idea. Yeah. I said, we've got to sign writers and we've got to nurture them. We've got to find them. We've got to do this. And I said, but if you think about it, I said, if you can cross all of this social media and yeah. everything, we could do dates and people around the world would find these talent and it would be huge. So we started Writer's List. And it was awesome. And we spent $400,000 just doing wireframes mm. for this site. He's like, let's spend another $400,000. <laughs> know, we're up to a million dollars. And you know, Linda Adele and I look at him and we say, hey, let's make sure that we're in this for the long haul because yeah. it's going to take a while. And he's like, don't worry about that. And sure enough, a year later, uh, it's not making money fast enough. So we told you it's going to take years and we haven't even got the website up yet. Well, I don't want to spend any more money. We need to make some money. So the writing was on the wall mm. and Scott and I talk all the time. He calls me one day, Chris he calls me Chris because Rick and Mike did an MTM. I've called you Chris, my whole, Chris. Chris my whole freaking life. Chris, what are you doing, man? I'm like, well, we're doing this. And then he goes, <laughs> Scott, in <laughs> Scott fashion, when are you going to stop all that shit, man? I'm like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? He goes, when are you going to stop this, man, and getting these guys, man, man, building these companies? He said, come and work for a real team hmm. that's on top. Come and work with us. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Am I doing what? He goes, I don't know. He said, let's, let's talk about it. Let's, let's figure something out. I'm like, well, all right, man, I'm into it. You know, whatever you think. And then I, I didn't even think anything of it, man. A week goes by. Yeah. My phone rings, and I don't know the number. So I just let it ring. I don't answer the phone if I don't know the number. Yeah. So then I text the person. Who are you? It's GB. <laughs> I'm like, Garth Brooks? Question mark? <laughs> And it comes back, no, George Briner, you idiot. I'm like, oh, hi, George. I'll call you. <laughs> so I'm like, George, what do you want? He goes, Scott and I have an idea. I'm like, what's Who your is idea? That, the head of Valerie. The head of Valerie Music Company, which is Thomas Rhett. Yes. Uh, Brantley Gilbert. Dude, Justin Moore. Eli Young. Yeah. He goes, come it's see me at 9 big o'clock tomorrow morning lab. or whatever, yeah. Monday morning. I'm like, okay. So I went in. Hey, George. Because <laughs> George and I have a past. He was our artist rep with Little Texas. Oh, yes. And we had a yes. freaking blast. One of the best guys in blast. the world. He yeah. made me put out what might have been. Really? He's like, you've got to put the ballad out. I'm like, no, 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 George. You don't know what you're talking about. We're going to put out up-tempo. This is an up-tempo band. He goes, put the ballad out. It'll change your life. Wow. And he was right. It yeah, changed everything. Yeah, he was right. So that happened. Uh, I go in there and I talk wow. to George and he's like, man, he goes, we got a, we got a whole section of the United States over here. He goes, you know everybody. Yeah. 
come and come and join us. Would you do something like that? I'm like, you know, Scott and I were talking about that. Yeah, man, that sounds like fun. Uh, and, and, you know, it fun is, mm. I don't know if it's that much fun because mm. it's a lot of work. Mm. But it brought out all of those chemicals in my brain that Dude. I was born with. So it, for me, it's a challenge. It's a blast. I get to work with Garrison, Mike Kennedy. I got to work with Mac till he was let go. Oh, all my buddies out there, man. And meet all these new people. The thing to me like that is, is what you're doing is you're my age and you're back out there busting your ass. I'm 30. But as long <laughs> okay, then I'm older than you. But if you Christy, can. the bourbon's 30. <laughs> that's right. So I have some more. But if you can do that with. Is, oh, man. I, I talked to my dad about this. Like, I could be a salesman for anything if i love the product right and you what so you're doing now is you're out there busting your hump because but you love the product well i hate to sound like a golden boy or something but it's like hey would you play this thomas rhett record no yes but i will (laughs) but also it's like you have the been there done that whatever and i'm and you're not going to do this Unless you're right. sold out right. for this stuff. Right. And that's that's what continues to make you great at this stuff. Fun. Absolutely, man. Well, working for my best friend. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's one, part of it that, too. There's that. Yeah. I mean, because he knows I've got his back. Yeah. And he's got mine. Yeah. And I would take a bullet for that guy. Yep. Because we're best pals. And he's not going to hand you a, a, a shovel full of shit no. and say, go out and get this played. It's like, no. And then George. I mean, I've known George for oh, dude, George. 25 years. So, yeah, absolutely. you know, getting to work with them and Palmer, dude. Chris Palmer, I mean, how much fun is that guy? So we have a blast. All you need is me. Dude, if you were in there, it would be more fun. <laughs> so seriously, 100%, how do you break an act that you can't take to radio and that can't tour? Oh, man, that's what we're trying to figure because out. Because right now, I mean, and I don't I don't know. They're trying to break them on Zoom. Are you working at home? Yep. So you, you tell your family, dad's going to work, and you shut the door? Yeah, hey, I just, you know, the basement is my office. Yeah. I've got a, you know, I've got an office down there, a little studio kind of thing like you've got. Yeah. Um, you know, that's where the theater room is down there. It's got some weights down there. So it's it's great. I go down there and just so you work have a theater. You have a theater room. A theater room <laughs> in the basement, you know. But I sit in those theater chairs because it's easy to, you know, sit there and talk to people on the phone. Yeah, it's easier to fall asleep. But it's, you know, no, it's, seriously, it's, it's more productive than being in the office for me because there are less distractions. Do you, and I can get some things done. I'm sorry to keep interrupting you. Do you honestly think that eventually these buildings, these these corporations, these awesome, wonderful? Companies are just going to go, hey, uh, by the way, you're doing way better work at your house, <laughs> so we're going to sell the building, and everybody's going to stay home. Maybe. I mean, you've got to have places for people to meet. Yeah. That's the thing about yeah. Big Machine. Now, I'm in a field position. Right, right, right. So I don't go to these meetings. I don't go to artist development meetings. Okay. I don't go to the marketing meetings. I don't go to those where everybody gets together and meets. So I'm just kind of, you know, half of our staff is, you know, one of them's in Phoenix. Yeah. The other one's in Boston. 
The other one's in Denver. I mean, so we don't really have to be there. Right. It's fun to be there because everybody's so wonderful. Yeah. And fun. And they're younger, and it, it's the yeah. energy is incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, I'm the old guy. Oh, uh, dude. But I act like I'm 10. Right. But it's fun there for me. I mean, I really love hanging out with everybody. And even the, you know, even the interns and stuff. I'm like, hey, oh, man, dude. I was an intern, you know. And they're like, who's this old guy? He's right. been driving me crazy. Your hair is great. But I love these people. Yeah. Because it gives me energy. So it, it's really a good vibe there. So I, I don't really need to be there. But, I, but people do need to meet. They need to be in a room at some Regional point. guys. And I was a regional guy as for a long time. And my boss... Always said, anywhere there's a phone, you can do your job. If you're at swimming pool at a hotel in Phoenix, or if you're right. at it, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's like being on the road. Yep, yep. That's fun, man. It's, See that? You know, it it makes you young again. Yeah, it, it's weird. I told Rebecca, my wife, I'm like, I feel like I'm 30 again because <laughs> I've got one of those gigs. Yeah, I go to a show, I hang out, hang out with the radio. Make sure everybody's having a good time. Yeah. Hang out with the artist. Hang out with the crew. It's just like I was back in Little Texas again, back in the beginning. Are you on the bus all the time? Or I jump you... on and off the buses yeah. here and there. The Eli Young guys, that to me is my favorite because yeah. nothing against the other artists, but it's a band. Yeah. And I love bands, and those guys are so cool. That's your, that's your history, man. And I love working with those guys. Yeah. I can sit on the bus and absorb that yeah. band meeting. Hey, man, Dude. you hit a wrong note, man. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, get yep. on his ass. <laughs> and we're, and they're, they're busting balls to try to make something oh, better. Man. They're not, just, guys they're so not just busting your balls because your hat looks stupid. They've been together for 25 years. Golly. So that's, you know, it's a reward for me. Yeah. You want to do my lightning round? Yeah, man, ready. I know, man. I'm so, so thank like you so much, man. Oh. You have been here for a long time, and I really appreciate it. Did I, we accomplish anything? Did I say anything? Absolutely, man. You got me back to wanting to go in the record business, but I don't think, I think. Come on, boy. I don't think. Jump in. The water's um, fine. There's somebody upstairs that ain't going to go with that. Yeah, yeah, All right. This is my lightning round. Go. I'm asking you a question. See. I, I want your answer that fast. What's your favorite book? Grinding it out. Who wrote it? Uh, the guy that started McDonald's. What was his name? Ray Kroc. Ray Kroc. Okay. Grinding it out. I love that book. Are you a bath or a shower guy? Shower. All right. What's the last gift you gave someone? Uh, I gave my wife a card Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um, I brought a, a bottle of vino over to Scotty B the other night for his birthday. His 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 birthday and my wife's birthdays are close. <laughs> <laughs> Gave my wife a card. I got a way better one when we're when we're done here. Hope it gets easier. What's the first concert you ever saw? And how old were you? And did you get a T-shirt? Kiss. Nice. Rock and roll over. Cleveland, Ohio. Oh my gosh. Five dollar shirt. Still have it. Really? Have it. I have the shirt. What's a favorite song you could listen to over and over and over? Golly, man, that's hard. I know. I got that, the playlist out yesterday. That was uh, one of Amy's questions. Golly, oh, man, there's so many of them. All right, never mind. I don't know. 
Is there a song you wish you would have published? Uh, tequila. Da, 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 da. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> it made trillions of dollars. No, I, I know that. It's all I about mean... the money, Bart. Okay. You had Blake on the show, right? Yeah. What does Blake say? Colonel, it's not about the money. It's about the it's money. It's about the money. <laughs> I say that because it has its own publishing company. It's one song. Is there a golf course you haven't played that you wish you could play? Augusta and um, the old course. Those two on the bucket list. You got a you got, got a tee now. Yeah. I'm getting closer. Um, what would you be doing if you weren't doing music? Would you be in golf somehow? Working for PXG or somebody? No. No. I don't know. Are you still in? Are you still in? Music, because you just you just love music. What well, when you're born with that? Yeah. Thing that haunts you. Yeah. Lyrics haunt me. Melodies haunt mm. me. Things haunt me. So it's it's weird to be in promotion because I'm separated from that. Yeah. Until yeah. I get into that conversation. Yeah, you're at the very end of the of the process. Yeah. But, That's what always drove me nuts about. But there promotion. are program directors who are closet. Is there Music still freaks? Still, there is. The females are awesome. Man, I nothing hope against so. the guys. I'm just saying, my favorite program director is that some of the female ones get it, hmm. and they love the stories, I and love they love that. the music. Yeah, and they're just they're a little bit more cool about. It. They're not as jaded. Yeah, but a lot of the guys are like, you know, Christy, tell me about publishing. They want to know. Dude, they want to you, learn. You've got. I don't care who you're talking to in a in a record promotion world. You've got the best story of anybody else out there, but Maybe that's why I probably <laughs> no, no. I'm serious, and I'm not trying to kiss your ass. But that's why I love the fact that you did road managing, managing, publishing, record promotion. I mean, you've you've done. I go. That's what I told well, Amy. That should have been my answer, Bart, when you said why record promotion. My answer should have been because it's the only thing. It's the only I thing I haven't done. done. <laughs> Now I've done everything. <laughs> no, that's what I told Seriously, him. I've done yeah. everything now. I told Amy, I go, this guy is everything. the most stupid, overproduction, overproductive person in the world, which is what I love about you. Yeah. Well, that and yeah, you golf yeah, swing, that. you're pretty good. So what are you listening to these days? Man, I listen to a lot of things. I, saw, I, I started listening to something the other day that I thought was the most. Have you heard the Dead South? Mm-mm. It's like bluegrass, this bluegrass band from, I don't know where, but it's like rock bluegrass thing. Okay. And I caught them on YouTube, and I got obsessed with them. Their videos are hilarious. It's four guys. And it's like bluegrass, but it's <laughs> cool as shit. I don't know why I like that. But my playlists, a lot of people, like I had a buddy in high school. You love Bob Dylan? I said, I hate Bob Dylan. Yeah. What do you mean you hate Bob Dylan? I said, there's no drums. For me... There's there almost has to no be melody. drums. Yeah. Um, you know, if it's just the groove to Rosanna, the groove to... Come on. Um, you know, and, and what's his name will tell you? Carl will tell you. See, I got that from John Bonham. Yeah. It's got to be drums. In my car, I have one CD. I'm the only guy with a CD in my car. <laughs> and it's the John Bonham drum tracks. Those bootleg bond, 
uh, John Bonham drum really? tracks from In Through the Outdoor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I play them, just drums. Just the drums. All I care about is drums. But you know the song in your noggin. You can hear playing so, yeah. in the headphones. See, isn't that, oh man, isn't that amazing? And this is so derogatory, but it's so true. You can hear a lead drummer. You can hear a musical drummer. The drummer's not playing notes per se, right. but he's so musical. It's like, Did like, you see Ringo on the um, Hall of Fame? Oh, yeah. When he got inducted? Yeah, yeah, when yeah. When they had Stuart Copeland and they had all those drummers um, uh, from the Foo Fighters, you know, all those guys, Dave, Dave Grohl. Grohl. They had all those guys say something about Ringo. They said, Ringo was part of the composition. Hmm. His drums were part of the song, if you think about it. Yeah, for sure. I thought there's also guys like Simon Phillips that are just so musical in the way they drum. Drums is Neil Peart's the same way, it's music. man. You know, yeah. It, so that's what I'm all about. That's why when I produced the hmm. band Rushlow on Lyric Street, yeah, yeah. Rich Redman was the oh, drummer. Oh, yeah. And I cut Rich in the studio. Being on the road with Rich, we would listen to drum stuff. We would talk about drums. It made me want to go to the tour bus. It's like, why do you want to go on the bus? Well, to pick up chicks, to do this, to do this. You know, it's like, yeah, no. no. I want to hang out with Rich. Yeah. I want to hang out with the drummer because we're going to talk about music and we're going to watch it on TV. And we're going to listen to music. It's all about the music Yeah. yeah. for me. I'm just eating up with it. I've been lightweight since I was a kid. You're, do your kid, I know your wife is an amazing singer. Do your kids like music? Uh, my son sang with the Nashville Symphony when he was 11. So the answer is probably yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be bragging daddy now. Here we go. The kid is amazing. He's an amazing piano player. He's got the gift. Mm. You know, that thing that some people have? Yeah. He's got it. He doesn't give a crap. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit. If it's not Fortnite, he doesn't care. Right. So, but he can play the piano better than his timing. It's just unbelievable. He can sing. Mm. And she said, you've got to try out for Sam for the Susical with the Nashville Symphony. He goes, I'm not going to do that. He's 11 years old. Right. She goes, what do you want? He goes, what do you mean? She goes, what do you want to do this? He goes, I want my friend and I to go to Holiday World for a weekend. She goes, okay, okay, done. He goes and tries out. The conductor for the Nashville Symphony said, this kid, his timing and his pitch is amazing. Mm. He's got the part. So he was Sam in the Susical with the tenor and it's everybody. It unbelievable, was unbelievable. Man. He didn't give a crap. He's like, is this over yet? Right. He doesn't care. When are we going to Holiday World? Hello? <laughs> when are we going to Holiday World? <laughs> so I'm blessed. I got two really talented kids musically because my wife, as you know, is a singer, was on the road. She's great. She was on Hee Hall. That's her claim to fame. She was? You didn't know that? I didn't know that. Remember the two tall blonde twins on Hee Hall? Oh, yeah. That's them. That Rebecca was... and Melinda. <sighs> I didn't know that. Yeah. So when I, met, I met Melinda first. She was uh, dating David Malloy, remember? Yeah, I remember that. I'm like, David, wow, where did you get that? Where did goes, you get that? Because there's another one. I'm like, what? What? There's another one? They're identical. I mean, like a clone? He you goes, like them. Kind of. He goes, it's going to be tough, though, because she's dating Keith Urban. I'm like, I can't compete with that. I don't care. He goes, well, Melinda said she might like you. She likes, like, shorter Italian kind of asshole guys. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how to take that. I'm in, I think. I said, but I'm perfect Wait. for the part. Right. We went on a blind date, which really wasn't a blind date because I knew what her sister looked like. Oh, man. And we've been together ever since. 
How long you guys been together? She dumped Keith. Hey, Keith. That's when you got, I'm sorry, that's when you sorry. got dumped. You had to get another redhead. Yeah, you had to get another redhead with Oscars and stuff. How long you guys been together? 1998. Dang. Because Amy and I have only been together 16 years. So Okay. So what's next, man? How do you guys go back to work and how do you guys get back on the road? How do you? I don't know. I mean, uh, talking to Darren Murphy and some of the guys, mm-hmm. you know, CAA and, and some of the guys, uh, my friend Brian at Live Nation is like, they're looking at June of next year. Oh, yeah. For shows. Everybody's tours are starting in October. And these next guys year. are playing a lot of golf. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> got nothing else to do. Yeah. Um, so I don't think we're going to be out on the road for all. Thomas Rhett has a tour next year that's already in ink, but, you know, all subject to change this, this thing. So I guess next year, you know, we're just going to be pounded here. It's hard to break an act, man. I don't know how we're going to get somebody out there to meet yeah. radio, play for people. Yeah. I asked you about that earlier and I, I interrupted you cause I'm a, a schmuck, but how, do, how are you finding out to break? How, what are your new ways of, oh, of trying to break an act? Boy, do I got a story for you. Do we have time? Yeah, what time? Yes. Yes. All right. Do. So Avenue B, the trio. The trio. Yes. We did some songs. Uh, we're going to break them country. I didn't get a chance to get out on the road with them. I took them to a few stations. You're going to break them country with the word motherfucking? Stay with, with me, Two Mark. G's in there? Stay with me. <laughs> but I'm telling you how to break an act. I'm telling you how the act is breaking. So we, take, we try to take them on the road. We don't yes. have enough time. I've got five different stations in a row set up in March. Gone. Yes. So my last supper was with Mike Preston and Smoky Rivers and Al Farb in Dallas. Okay. Because that next day, we got the call from Scott, okay. everybody go home. So I played them out in the parking lot. I played them the Avenue Beat single. Right. Um, and that was I was just starting to play that single. So we come home. It doesn't work. The single doesn't work. We can't get any more ads. Their tours, they were going to go out with the Flats. They were going to go out with Maddie and Tay. It doesn't work. Everybody's, everybody's going. Yeah. So they get bored. And they've got a real pop sense, man. Savannah, yeah. the lead singer, the writer, she's amazing. She's she the real brunette? Yeah. Her producing is amazing. Okay. So she comes up with this thing, I don't really like your boyfriend. And yeah. they do it on Tay, and it, it blows up kind of, and it's like great. They get all these followers on TikTok. They start to get this pop thing going. And Scott, being the smart guy that he is, is like, let's just watch it. Let's just keep an eye on it. See what happens. Let's keep going. Yeah. And, and, and they've got so much press and so much great social, all this kind of stuff. I guess on the 4th of July or whatever, around that time, I'm guessing, I'm pretty close, but Savannah writes F-2020. Or the band does. I, I, mm. Her and the girls, I don't know who wrote it. I think it was her. They go in and they cut it on her you know, laptop, her uh, logic <laughs> yeah. program, and they put it out on TikTok, and it explodes. It explodes on TikTok. Millions and millions of followers. Left sits goes after it. Says it's the greatest thing he's seen in a while. Here goes everything. Fireworks. Fourth of July. Right. Everywhere. Bam, 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 bam. This thing is huge. Yesterday, Z100 in New York added it. Um. Kiss in L.A. added it. We don't even Dang. have a promotion staff yet because Scott's figuring out, you know, is it going to be a Republic? We don't know. We're switching them to pop. They're exploding. That's how you break an act. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, I don't know that's how you break an acting country. Yeah. I still don't have that answer, but look what happened to those girls. They thought they were going to be one and done and not even get a shot. Who are you guys working country that's that's new? I mean, obviously you've got Thomas Red, who's huge. You've got we got a couple I mean, on the burner that you know we can't wait to get out there. We got a kid named Heath Sanders that sings his ass off. Are you putting stuff out now? Out not yet. We're figuring out you how just to do. Try, it. Yeah. Um, none of the labels are. I don't think any of the three labels are have anybody brand new out. Man, I saw some some girl, and forgive me for not knowing who this is, but she had her first number one. I think she was a Warner Brothers act. Gabby Barrett? There's two of them. Oh, man, it might have Ingrid been. Ingrid Anders? Gabby or Tony Tennille or something. Uh, what was the captain's name? <laughs> Daryl Dragon. Daryl Dragon. But I felt so bad for this girl because she put a picture up on Instagram of her holding a glass of wine saying... Celebrating my first number one by myself, and it's like, oh, you remember number one oh. parties? And I showed it to Amy, and it's like, oh, we used to have. I mean, used to shut down a block for a number one party, and now this poor girl's having her first number one, sitting by herself in an apartment in Antioch wow. or something, you know. And I just thought, oh, it's that that sucks because, it does suck. and it's just because of you know whatever. We're doing I saw now. that happen to a guy that. Shouldn't have had Chad Brock. Oh, yeah. Do you I was on the bus with him <laughs> when his song went number one, and the label didn't come out there. And he was like, man, I got a number one record. I'm like, then why are you sitting on the bus with me? Nobody came out. Dude. <laughs> I was like, where's Warner Brothers? <laughs> Chad had the WB logo tattooed on his arm, and two weeks later he got dropped. Oh, bless his heart. Bless his heart. He was a great guy. He was a great guy. We were in a bus. It was Andy Griggs, him, me, Sarah Evans, Julie Reeves, and somebody else. Wow! And you're the only guy. That's I think Brad Paisley. The, you're the okay. And we were on Brad, one bus, and we opened up for Alan Jackson. You're still the only guy that's still in the music business, <laughs> except for Brad well, Paisley. The, yeah, I'm the only one left, don't I? <laughs> we weren't allowed to look at Alan because he didn't let anybody look at him. But no, not in his eyes. But it was, you know, that whole thing where. You know, they roll out the red carpet when things are great. Mm. It's, it's a tough business, man. You've got to have, you got to have, like, a heart of stone. Well, it, it, which is hard. It's tough. Because you also have to have the heart of a six-week-old puppy because you have to love these songs. You have to love these artists. Right. And you have to have a heart of stone. It's hard, man. I don't know that anybody, but I mean, I don't know. I'm sure there's another job like this in the world, but man, it's hard. Well, I'm not a very deep person. So for me, <laughs> it, things just bounce right off. One of the best compliments I ever got was Bill Lloyd told me one time when he got his deal on RCA. He goes, Christy, you remind me a lot of Joe Galani. He goes, you're very direct and you don't care about anything but things that, that work. Hmm. I'm like I don't know how to take I think I take that as a compliment. Yeah. You need to take that as a compliment, man. Also, you're not super tall and you're Italian. Right. right. A lot like I Joe would Delaney. love to be as successful as Joe, but you know, being direct is Yeah. It's great, man. One of my greatest one of my greatest nights in the music business was when Tony Brown walked up to me in a restaurant. Because I tried to get him to sign an act that I got signed on Magnetone. I ended up signing to my own label and having the front cover of R and R. And Tony Brown, you know, has a bottle, of, a glass of wine, walks up to me. Hey man, gets up from the table where Don was is sitting, and he comes over to me. and He says, "Chrissy, 
I saw that R and R. You got a big set of balls, boy. I'm like Tony, coming from you, man. That's a compliment. He goes, "Yes, it is." That was awesome. When fucking Tony Brown's at the top of his game, dude, and gets out of his chair and walks over and says, "You got a big set of balls," and you're that's thirty, good stuff. that's fun. So it's been a fun run, man. But I'm only getting started. Well, I love you. I'm so thankful for you. I'm so thankful for our friendship, man. Thanks for having me, Bart. And uh, crap, we'll do part two one of these days, and we'll get into all that other stuff. Oh, there's so much to go through. And it may not. We may not laugh as much, but it'll be as interesting. Oh, we'll laugh. <laughs> there will be. There will be laughter. <laughs> because you know what? You got to have some fun, man. That's the whole thing. You can't take everything so seriously. When I say Scott's very serious, you know, we know the, but, we know the, the Scott that's not serious. Yeah. We know the fun because he's always laughing. Yeah. He's always having a good time, but he's very direct. Yeah. And, and I guess that's an Italian thing. I don't know. but um, I think it's just a nobody likes to waste time. No. So let's just don't do it. How about that? Let's do it on Saturday from 7 to 12. Yeah. Let's go act stupid. Say stupid stuff, Let's drink eat. stupid wine, you have stupid Go time. Play golf or ride right. our Harleys or whatever, and that's when we'll be yeah. goofballs. Yeah, let's put on side one of uh, the White Album. Oh, man. And hang out. Yeah. <laughs> did you hear that? <laughs> How did they do that with an eight track? They did that on eight tracks, man. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks Bart. Thank you. Bye. Bye.